Welcome to a very special emergency edition of the Canucks Central Podcast. Trades, yes, trades. Canucks have made two already. Yes, it is Satyar Shaw. I'm going to be joined by Irfan Gafar coming up in just a moment to break down what is happening on this Sunday ahead of the March 21st NHL trade deadline. And to bring you up to speed, the Canucks have already made two trades and perhaps even more by the time you end up listening to this. But as of right now, the Canucks have sent Travis Hamannick to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a third round draft pick, which is their own draft pick to get back in return for the 2023, a 2022 NHL entry draft. And the Canucks, well, they shipped off the entire $3 million of his cap hit this year and next year to Ottawa. And the next trade the Canucks made was tra- was acquire another Travis, Travis Dermott from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, he's a young defenseman who has one more year on his contract at $1.5 million that make that can play the left or the right side as a lefty defenseman. So the Canucks shipped out Travis Hamannick, they acquire Travis Dermott, and they give up a third-round pick to acquire Dermott. And the pick they give up is a 2022 Third round pick from the Winnipeg Jets, the pick they got in exchange for Nate Schmidt this past summer. So that's the latest on the trades that have been done. So let's welcome in Irfan Gafar into the conversation from the fourth period. And Irf, uh, you were on our show earlier this week with myself and Dan Ricci on Canuck Central. And we talked about, yes, the playoff thing is going on. What really is going to determine what the Canucks do at the deadline is valuation. And it certainly seems like uh, they're onto something now. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the biggest thing for the Vancouver Canucks right now is what their priority list is. And that was to improve the defense. And they did that by rep- essentially replacing Travis Hamannick with Travis Dermott. Um, you get younger and then you also shed some salary. They're only, they save $1.5 million on the cap next year. And you, yes, although you gave up a draft pick, you also acquired a draft pick in that. So they did a very tidy piece of business. And, you know, obviously there's people talking about Travis Dermott. Where is he going to play? Well, he is a left shot defenseman, but he can play on both sides. And I think that that's the biggest thing right now for the Canucks is to be able to get younger and have some versatility um, on their blue line. No, absolutely. And and when I look at uh, these two deals in specific, uh, Specifically, getting Travis Dermott for a third-round pick. He's owed $1.75 million next season in real money, but only counts $1.25 against the cap, which means if it doesn't work out and you put him down in the minors, or you can still probably move him for something next year if it's not quite the fit you want it to be. Those types of players are always kind of sought after. But the thing that really impressed me on the Hamannick trade was the fact that they were able to move his entire salary and they got a third-round pick back in return. So that helps them on the cap. Like you said, $1.5, we trade both those guys off and you flip those assets the Canucks are trading the Winnipeg third rounder they got in exchange for Nate Schmidt to um, Toronto for Dermot and they're send and they're and they acquired their own third round pick back from Ottawa which they had traded away earlier so it does work out for Vancouver to get their own pick back but the fact that they also were able to get rid of Hamannick's money just the fact that he's getting paid 3.25 next year and that's off your books I'm pretty sure uh, that's an easy one for ownership to sign off on hey well, 100%. And I think that, you know, look, it's it's no secret that not only the Vancouver Canucks, but a lot of other teams have, you know, lost money during the pandemic and things like that. So if you're able to shed some salary and you know what, I, I think that the I think it was a good time for, you know, it to end between the player and the team here in Vancouver. I think that there's a there's a lot that kind of went into it and obviously we all know what happened and kind of the way this season started with Travis Hamannick and and all the issues that were off the ice and things like that but 
as far as we go right now, he's no longer Vancouver Canuck. He's in Ottawa. And this Canuck team, I, I can tell you right now, Sat, you know, they're, they're, they're still not done. They're still actively answering the phones. They're still looking to improve their hockey club. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens before the noon deadline tomorrow. Well, I'm, I'm with you on that. And that's something that I kind of mentioned on social media as well. Expect more things to happen. The Canucks are engaged in trade talks with other players. And what I find interesting all of a sudden is the back end. And we've talked a lot about this, Earth. Whatever doesn't happen at the deadline may still happen in the offseason. And on the blue line, just swapping Mott, uh, Dermot for Hamannick, it's great for salary cap space and all that sort of stuff and some flexibility, but it doesn't kind of change the equation as far as the number of bodies you have on the back end and guys that are playing similar roles or at least in the similar grouping as depth players and Burroughs falls in there, Shen falls in there. What does this trade do potentially for Luke Shen by the deadline? Well, it's funny you mentioned Kyle Burroughs as well, because I think that that's an interesting name to, to for people to just keep a little bit of an eye on there over the next little while here. But Luke Shen's interesting because he got another year left on his deal, right? And he's a guy that, yeah, he's a, he's a Stanley Cup winner. He's I don't care how much he's played. He's still he's still been there. He's been in that organize. He's been in winning organizations. He, he understands what it takes to win. And there are a lot of teams that will probably be interested in Luke Shen's services. So the Leafs, yes, we, we talked about that that's happening, but then they went and got their big fish in Mark Giordano. So I'm not entirely sure that that, the way it's going to go there, but um, there are other teams that, you know, are in need of defensemen and, and, and are looking. So I'd be interested to see what happens here with Luke Shen. But Kyle Burroughs is one that can kind of come out of left field a little bit too, because between him, Luke Shen, and Travis Dermott, they're all very similar players. To be completely honest, right? I mean, Travis Dermott's the youngest out of them, but I think that he's the one that, you know, the Canucks are probably the most high on. And I think that when you look at it from asset from an asset management standpoint, if you can get anything from a Luke Shen or or a Kyle Burroughs, you have to explore that option. Well, and I, and I think a guy like Luke Shen could have some have some interesting trade value, especially with the contract being as cheap it is as it is this year and next year, and how well he's played alongside Quinn Hughes. And you mentioned having been on some winning teams and has the physicality. I'm really curious to see if somebody gives a decent offer because we we would agree he's played better than Hamannick, he's played better than Travis Dermott so far this season, and he makes significantly less than both players, and he's under control. So I mean, if if somebody's willing to give up, say, a second for Luke Shen, that would be hard to turn down if they get offered that, wouldn't it? Well, absolutely. I, look, I, I think if you're getting a second round pick for Luke Shen, and, and I can even put Tyler Mott into that category, you 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 take that deal, right? And those are the interesting ones and the conversations that 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 they're having right now is is to what can we get for our biggest assets? And their biggest assets right now are, are probably a guy like Tyler Mott, just because he is a UFA next year, and and they, you hope that a team is going to want him. And same thing for Luke Shen. If if someone's willing to give you a second round pick for Luke Shen, you you make that deal all day, in my opinion. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. And one guy I would keep a really a close kind of depth eye on is Brad Hunt. Like, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if a team comes calling on Brad Hunt for And maybe the Canucks won't, won't be willing to do this, or maybe they need the numbers on the back end. But I wouldn't be surprised that tomorrow some team calls and offers a late to mid-round pick for Brad Hunt either. Because you're seeing the depth defensemen to have some sort of pedigree and experience. They are sought after at the deadline. Yeah, and and I and I really do believe that you know defense is such a big priority for this Vancouver Canuck team. So yes, mm-hmm. if you're getting rid of guys, you're still going to have to go and fix that blue line somehow this off season. So whether it's via the draft or whether it's via trade in the summer, um, that blue line is definitely a big, big uh, priority for for this hockey club. So the Brad Hunt thing also very interesting because they they've got a lot of pieces right now that that they could move. And look. No, like Brad Hunt's playing really well right now. You know, mm-hmm. the guy's got points in, in a lot of games. So 
is he peaking interest? Not as much as Luke Shen or a guy like maybe Kyler, uh, a guy like Kyle Burroughs, but I definitely do think that, you know, there is some interest out there as well. Well, I think it's, you know, as we talked about, and we kind of went through all the regulars or the usuals, right? Usual suspects in trade. We don't expect Miller to go anywhere, but he gets talked about. Besser gets talked about. Garland gets talked about. You know, Mott gets talked about. And even Luke Shen. And we mentioned, what's the possibility of somebody we're not even talking about getting moved as the first trade? And that ended up being Hamannick. And then they acquired Dermot. So we'll see ultimately what else they look to do. And all those depth options could very well be where they make most their hay at the deadline because it's harder and more complicated to move their bigger players. So keep a very close eye on the Tyler Motts, on the Luke Shens, on Kyle Burrows, and perhaps even guys like Brad Hunt. And I've heard Pullman's name, but I'm not quite sure with his health not being quite there that he's a guy that gets moved in the deadline if, if he does get moved and we'll see what happens this offseason. But that also brings us to the big guns. And as much as there is talk around Besser and there's you know more talk around a guy like Connor Garland, how likely do you think it is we see one of those guys move between tonight and tomorrow? I think it's going to be tough because I think the move, it, it's got to, the, the, the deal has to make the most sense for, for the Vancouver Canucks. And obviously the team that's acquiring the services of, of either of those two players. The Brock Besser one's a little bit more messy just because of you know the contract situation with him and and his qualifying offer and all that kind of stuff so that one is the one that is a little bit tough but as we've heard you know the la kings were very much so interested in connor garland so we'll see where that goes um i can definitely tell you that the canucks aren't done i I don't think that they're done whether that happens tonight at some point or whether that happens tomorrow i definitely do think that there's at least one or two more two more moves that they're going to make here um whether that's one of the big guns or whether it's some someone else on, on the roster that gets moved, but I'm just getting the sense that this Canucks team isn't isn't done yet, and 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 it's a good thing if you're a fan, right? Because you know yeah. you have the people in place and they're making decisions to try and improve your hockey team, and I think that that's the biggest thing when you look at it from from a fan's point of view. Well, and, and, you know, there's been so much talk about the frustration that trades haven't happened, but the sense we've had all along, and even, you know, for a while, it seemed like they want to humor the playoff run and, and we'll see how it goes. But it became very clear the past month or so that at the end of the day, at the deadline or beyond, it's not going to be so much about playoffs that determines or how many wins you game, whether they make trades or not. It simply comes down to valuation for their higher end guys. So the question really is, does somebody offer a good enough deal for Besser or Garland? That's going to be the indicator more than anything. Well, hundred percent. And I think that it's, what do you value those two guys as, right? You know, you look at Carl, Connor Garland, he's 25 years old and he's got control for the next few years. When the Brock Besser is a little bit more different, right? Because the acquiring team will either have to sign him or try and sign him right away to an extension that probably is under that seven and a half million dollar qualifying offer. So is that something that's going to happen there? So, and if you're doing that, are you doing this to improve your defense? Are you going to try and add a forward or or what's going to happen? So those are the conversations that are ongoing right now. But um, just like I mentioned before, Sad, I, I definitely don't think that it's uh, that that they're done, and 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 it's a fun time to 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 be involved and, and to be around it. Just so just because you know um, they're very much so trying to improve this hockey team. Right. And, you know, Earth, uh, before we let you go, I know you got a lot of work to do uh, and to get done here today with the fourth period and, and everything you're doing ahead of the deadline. But as far as a contract for Tyler Mott goes, is it fair to say that talks are not even ongoing or do you think there is a chance they sign him as opposed to trade him? I don't think talks have been ongoing at all, to be honest. I, I think that they, they have priorities of, of what they want to do. And 
I think that, look, he, he's due for a raise. I'm just not sure the Canucks are going to pay him the raise that he's due for. And now, unless he really, really does like it here and wants to be here and wants to be a part of the, the solution here in Vancouver, as I always like to say, um, that, that can be something completely different. But at the end of the day, you look at how old he is and you look at his position and the type of way that he plays the game, blocking shots, penalty kill. You know, he's hard on the forecheck. He's hard on the body. Uh, I had not another player tell me that, you know, Tyler, Tyler Mott is one of the hardest players to play against because he hits you every single time you, you, you get the puck. And that's coming from a defenseman from another team. So you look at it from that aspect of it. I think that he's going to want to try and go and get his money somewhere, which no fault of your own. You know, if you can get it, go get it. But it'll be interesting to see whether that's here or it ends up being somewhere else. No, no question about it. Earth, uh, appreciate your time so far today. We'll chat soon. All right. All right, guys. Be well. That is Irfan Gaffar from the fourth period. Some great insight into what the Vancouver Canucks have gotten up to so far today. To bring you up to speed, they've traded Travis Hamanick to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for their own third-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. And they have acquired Travis Dermott from the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for a third-round pick, which was Winnipeg's in 2022. So they remain pick-neutral after making uh, these trades. And the Canucks get Travis Dermott, who is a lefty defenseman, and he's 25 years old and has one more year on his contract at $1.5 million. And beyond that, the Canucks have another year of control uh, under for Travis Dermott. So he's a guy that... You can still have on your team if he works out beyond even next season. So he's still a guy that could potentially fit in. And when he's played so far, he's been more than fine. But but he's played a sheltered third-pair role in Toronto mostly. And it's oftentimes played on his right side. And the fact that he can play the right side is a positive but at the same time, is that the best place for him to play? And is that part of the reason it wasn't working out in Toronto? When he's at his best, he's a bit of a two-way defenseman, has a little physicality, and he can defend fairly well. But if you're expecting Travis Dermott to come in here and be this you know, high-end offensive-producing defenseman, I don't think that's kind of part of his game. I think what you're looking at here is if it really works out, he can be somewhat of a new-age, steady two-way defenseman that can play perhaps on a second-pairing role if things really work out. But I think you really look at it as a nice fit on your third pair that could move up when need be. So I would be careful with expecting too much from Travis Dermott. I can understand you going out and making this move. I'd rather try... uh, Dermot for one more year instead of having Hamannick here next season. But I'm not quite sure if I'm expecting him to really blossom into a top four defenseman. But we'll see ultimately how it works out. And it makes a lot of sense to make this deal. What I find interesting about acquiring Travis Dermot from the big picture perspective is why did you use this opportunity to acquire him unless you're looking bigger picture with how your blue line is going to shake out over the course of this offseason and perhaps even the rest of this trade deadline. We mentioned Burroughs. We mentioned Luke Shen. And both guys have been nice fits. We like what they've done. They've, they brought immense value to this team. But neither are long-term fixtures here. Both are older than Travis Dermott. If you want to make a bet on somebody to maybe work out longer term, Dermott's the guy to make the bet on. He's much likelier to stay here long term and perhaps work out as opposed to those other guys as they get older and older and are a really depth defenseman, although Shen has done admirably playing alongside Quinn Hughes so far. But he's 32, has one more year left on his contract. And it's very unlikely, even if they kept him, that they'd sign him to an extension given he'll be 34 when that happens. So 
it just kind of looks like Shen's a guy that has value. So why not move him if you're getting a decent return, whether it's a deadline or this offseason? And the same thing with Kyle Burroughs, who I've liked, but he's not going to be able to play top four minutes for you long term here. So if you're able to move both those guys now or in the offseason, well, now you get a couple of draft picks, a couple of assets. You get some something tangible back in return you can use because their cap is so small. You're not getting cap flexibility moving guys that make less than 900K. But getting Dermot also gives you a little bit of soft cover on the back end. So if you end up moving Shen, if you end up moving Burroughs and you know other guys get moved, then at least you look at your blue line next year and say, well, we know OEL is not going anywhere because a no-move clause, he's not waving. Well, Hughes isn't going anywhere. And then you put Dermot into that conversation. That means you, at least you got three defensemen you look at and say, okay, these guys can play some minutes for us. And then you can build the rest of that stuff out for yourself. So I think it gives you a little bit of cover here to bring Dermot in today. So you're not as worried about moving some other guys out potentially by tomorrow when the deadline rolls around. And you have some more options this offseason when you look to move other defensemen. And I think they'll be looking to move Pullman if possible. They'll be looking to move Myers if possible. Those guys are more complicated by the deadline. But in the offseason, I can see the market developing for those players. And you see how much value defensemen have. And yes, you might have to take money back from Myers. Yes, you might have to retain something. But I believe there's a way to move those players. And if you don't do it at the deadline, that can happen in the offseason. You don't want to go out and sign a bunch of free agents to come play for you. So it makes sense to bring Dermot in and have a little bit of cover on your back end for next year and a guy that perhaps can give you a little bit more. Now, as far as uh, the rest of what we might see here at the deadline, I think it's interesting. I think we should spend a moment here on what the Leafs did. No, not because we want, we want to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs or whatever, but just because of what does this do for a team that was very much in the market for Luke Shen and perhaps even Tyler Mott. Now, because neither Mott nor Shen make a lot of money, in theory, you could still see them move to a team like Toronto. But given how many assets they've already traded, two second-round picks for Mark Giordano, I'm not sure that they're going to be willing or have the types of assets that Canucks would want. And I think for Mott, even though the second-round pick is a, is a fair value, my sense is if they move Mott, they would like to get a good young prospect back in return. A high pick they love, of course. I don't think they say no to a top 40, top 50 pick, for instance. But I, I think if they have it their way, they may want a young player that they believe in back in return that can play for them in a year or two, potentially. And Toronto has a bunch of those types of players. Could that still, still be in the offing? Perhaps, but it seems like they're spending a lot of assets here already, Toronto. So I'm not quite sure that's going to be a fit right away. But that's what I would kind of say about Tyler Mott. As much as we're talking about draft pick valuations, and that's potentially in the conversation, I wouldn't be surprised if they really want a decent prospect as well, or that being the more important thing for them to do. So we'll see if uh, Toronto ends up being a fit because they've been in on Luke Shen and they've been in on Tyler Lamont, but we'll see if they actually have the assets or are willing to part with extra assets after giving up a bunch to get uh, Mark Giordano already. So a couple of trades have been made by the Leafs too, so I'm not sure that fit's going to happen, but we'll see ultimately if it does or not. Now, one guy which was also talked about quite a bit uh, because he came in for Thatcher Demko the other night is Yaroslav Halak. Now, we had Kevin Woodley on the postgame show, a very fiery postgame show, I might add, uh, last night after the Canucks lost to the Calgary Flames. But a big part of the conversation Woodley was Halak is, would likely be willing to waive his no-trade clause. And I think he'd love to go elsewhere at this point, even though there's been suggestions he may not want to waive his no-trade clause. So I think 
when it comes to his desire and his openness to go somewhere else, I believe that's there. The biggest question we have, is there a fit elsewhere? Is there a team that's willing to take on Yaro Halak? But I think the Canucks are trying, and I think Yaro is willing to get moved, but we'll see if they're able to actually pull that off ahead of the deadline tomorrow, and we'll see if that actually happens or not. One word I would say, too, about some other guys on this team, whether it's Besser or Garland, those two guys specifically, the Canucks don't have to move them. They may want to move one, but they don't have to do it now unless they get the value they really want back in return. So I don't know if those trades work out, are able to be worked out here by the deadline, but this offseason, one big ticket is most likely going. Now, is that going to be Besser? Is that going to be Garland? Is it going to be Bo? Or could it be JT Miller if they don't agree to a contract extension? I think this offseason, there will be a big, big trade happening. So if they don't, if they're not able to do that now, I think the groundwork will be laid for those deal to ha- deals to potentially happen at the NHL draft. So as far as Besser and Garland go, or one of their bigger tickets go, even if one does not get traded here by the deadline, one is very likely to get moved by the draft or this offseason. So keep a very close eye on it. Just like Earp said, this team is looking to make a lot of different moves. They may not be able to do all of it here at the deadline, but they are going to be very active to remake this roster. The only other thing that I want to cover here uh, before we get out is potential contract talks. Earth mentioned Tyler Mott. He believes there hasn't been a lot of talks recently as far as contracts are concerned. And I think that's a pretty big indication of where their mindset might be. I think all parties at this point have a pretty general idea, and I mean Besser and Mott specifically, about what it would take to stay and what the Canucks might be willing to offer and what it looks like. So I think the parties kind of have a general idea. So now really it comes down to, do we get more value than those contracts potentially for Vancouver? And if they are going to take a run at signing Mont, I think that conversation probably happens sometime tonight or tomorrow, but it is interesting that there hasn't been a lot of talks in that regard. So I think right now it seems like any potential contract talks are kind of being put to the side until they really figure out what happens here at the deadline. So we'll see if Tyler Mott will remain a Vancouver Canuck on Monday or if he's going to be going elsewhere. And we'll see if he's in lineup tonight when the Vancouver Canucks uh, take on the Buffalo Sabres. And the pregame show is coming up in a bit with myself, Satyar Shaw, and Dan Riccio. We'll talk plenty of trades during the show. We'll talk it on the postgame show. So we have a lot more coverage coming on Sportsnet 650 here on Sunday night. And tomorrow, all-day coverage of the NHL trade deadline beginning at 6 a.m. with Halford and Bruff and goes throughout the day. And uh, I'll be on again uh, with with, uh, Thomas Strands coming up around noon and uh, Jamie Dodd on the Canucks Hour. And the People Show gets going after that, plus Canucks Central. So we have all-day trade deadline coverage coming for you tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the emergency podcast, Canucks Make Trades, ahead of the trade deadline. We'll be back for more. Stay tuned on the Canucks Central feed on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.